You're listening to the Dulcimer Geek Podcast. I'm Stephen Seifert here with Dan Landrum and Aaron O'Rourke. What did we talk about today, guys? Well, we talked about a topic that we've covered a few times, concerts, but we quickly moved on to something way more uncomfortable. Too quickly, as a matter of fact, because we talked about Steve's extremely bright moment in the sun on a national, nationally syndicated radio program where... His music got associated with racism. <laughs> yeah, listen. Yeah. Listen to the whole podcast. <laughs> so anyway, uh, let's 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 let let's let's get started, folks. So, my dulcimer geeky friends, how are you today? Jolly good. I'm jolly good. We have a lot to talk about. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Uh, both of you guys are brimming with crazy information. <laughs> Aaron, Kaufman Camp. Yes. And? Yeah, we need to hear the... I, I want to hear awesome. the deal, man. Awesome. It was one of those camps where both as a teacher and a performer, like, I, I was pretty nervous, as both of you guys know. It was a challenge, but... It was awesome. I feel like a slightly better musician and a slightly better teacher having done it. Heck yeah. Um, There were a few really cool things about the format of this camp for the students, I thought. Um, In that, you know, we get some people that that are interested in learning. Really, their focus is learning how to jam. And then there are some people that show up to workshops that are totally isolated they're not going to run into other musicians. That's not their goal. They want to just be better at sitting in their living room and getting some enjoyment out of their instrument playing solo. Both kind of players there in class, but there was there was so much for both of those players. I had four hours total every day, two hours in the morning, two hours in the afternoon uh, to work on skills. And uh, But there was, after that, there was a class on jamming that was taught by a multi-instrumentalist and he did a great job that's nice um yeah throughout the course of the week i saw it was cool because i saw the people in my class become better jammers but i also was watching their technique and i saw them using a more efficient fingering uh i saw their technique going up and i saw the skills that they had like the tools in their tool belt going up as well and seeing progress at the end of the week, it's it's funny because normally my approach is, you know, it's okay if you can't do all this by the end of the week. Uh, the, the goal here is that you have enough to go home and work on. And I think that they still had more than enough to go home and work on for months or hopefully years. But it was really cool seeing that this format was conducive to, I, I thought, giving them time to process all this information. Yeah, uh, and so actually you had two hours in the improvement. morning. Two hours, two hours in the, in the morning. Yeah, two hours. And then in the there afternoon. were other classes they could do, plus plenty of jamming. Well, there was a jam class. Okay, uh, that was taught by a multi instrumentalist, and also twice a week I taught a master class, <clears throat> and it really was exactly that. Uh, um, people would play. And then we would talk for about five minutes, and I'd make recommendations. Yeah, and all the instructors I love doing did that. that. 
I love doing that. So what about, <clears throat> Dan, you're making all kinds of noises. So what about this teaching? Like you said, it, it maybe you think it made you a better teacher. What's that about? Oh, yeah. So, Steve, I know you've got experience with this. And Dan, I don't think, or Dan, yeah, you do as well. But I haven't taught very much to uh, having all of the same levels in one class. Yeah. So I had one person who was near absolute beginner and one person who was like the head of their club and was was a lot more experienced. So it was a new one for me, but I think it worked out really well. Yeah, you know, the more you do that, you can get better at it. It's not a hopeless, impossible situation. Talk about the format, though. It's not a big change i mean we well, that's do, what i've been talking about i know but we do week-long dulcimer festivals that mm-hmm. have some of those same aspects okay do you think it's the oh maybe the the you you were talking specifically about seeing your students in, improve right right do you think it's your students being around a lot of uh other other instruments, you know, just other influences and feeling, you know, I mean, can you figure I, that out? I don't know if that was part of it. I thought that was cool. I thought that was that was exciting. But for some reason at this camp, I also felt that there was a lot more free time. There was more time for them to Amen. process. And Amen. I, yeah. That time to process, <sighs> was, I think that was the most valuable thing. <laughs> Heavy sigh. Yeah. <laughs> All right, your festival directors, here's the thing. You've got about seven overachievers out of your 100 participants who write you every year and say, the spaces between the workshops were too long. Um, we didn't like how we had that off time in the afternoon. Could we fit another workshop in there? I sometimes think maybe the festival directors are responding to a very small percentage of their attendees and they're just packing the schedule. I think a lot of people want downtime to process. They want Mm -hmm. a little downtime to shop. Uh, The performers want downtime to come up with some cool stuff. Uh, I think that people like to go for a hike sometimes. Sometimes people Mm want to go out to eat. Um, Now, the thing is, you could say, well, not everybody has to take all the workshops that are offered. Well, the thing is, they're paying money, and they're going to feel like if they don't, they're wasting their money or whatever. Hmm. I just, I think it's a better festival if there's some margin in there. And I also think it's a better festival if we've got leaders, uh, leading players from other genres, bluegrass, old time, Irish, jazz, blues, rock and roll. I really love, I love how we interbreed or <laughs> whatever musically. I love that. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, check this out. Um, the concerts. The thing that I was super nervous about uh, at this camp. Um, I know we've talked about this this a little bit, and I'm not trying to piss anyone off who's... Uh, uh, involved in a festival where this isn't the case but when we arrived we were told regarding the concerts grab other people to play with you <laughs> as much as you want really do whatever you need to do to best represent what's on your cd and it made the concerts amazing there was a concert monday tuesday thursday and friday night yeah. and after every single one of those concerts i didn't feel tired i felt energized like i wanted to go play 
Yeah, you shouldn't feel like... And people like went you. out jamming afterwards, and it, it was awesome. Sometimes you do feel exhausted after a concert. Yeah, I know. I, well, often, no, he's not talking about... Perf- are you? I think he's talking about as a listener. Is that what you mean? As yeah. a listener, as a per- yeah. Yeah, audience yeah. member. Yeah, I listened to... Ev- I went to every single one of those concerts. And, hey, uh, Dan, what does egalitarian mean? You're trying to make it equal for everybody. Oh, I thought it meant an ADD statement. I'm kidding. (laughs) (laughs) You mean advanced advanced Dungeons and Dragons? I don't know what we're talking about here. (laughs) I think think sometimes the festival directors, they're trying to get along with everybody, and I cannot blame them. (laughs) But I really, I think that sometimes these, these concerts are wearing people out. Are we, gonna, are, are we just going to keep complaining? Because we've done this yes. a lot. If you go back this through the number yeah, we, we keep touching on it and then yeah. like dancing away from it. it. It's something that we've tiptoed around quite a bit while making some statements. Over but, and uh, over and over again. Yeah, quite a bit. And that's why I prefaced it with, I'm not trying to piss anyone off. I wasn't trying to go there, but... Hey, guess the what? The concerts if you're there were awesome. <laughs> if you're we listening to, it- to this and you are pissed off... Then maybe you have an attitude problem. Here's what I want to know right now. Mm-hmm. Do we have to put an explicit? I think we do now because we used a, a, a statement. Of yeah, we a can't. Slang I don't term f- referring to urine. I really? think we can't use that word. Oh. <laughs> well, how about if we just go ahead and apologize and say we can't use that anymore? I'm sorry. We're not going to yeah. use that anymore. But I, I like the um, fervor that he put into using that word. Now he used it properly. Oh no! Yeah, I did a great job. <laughs> All right, so back back to it. We're tiptoeing around something, huh? Yeah. <laughs> and are we here as change makers or as complainers? Both. Well, are we effective? I mean, we're effective as complainers. Well, I don't want to <laughs> pretend that I'm right about my opinion. Like my opinion is just my opinion, and I, I but you are right about your opinion. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, I'm like not. you said, we've we've gone into this this a number of times and i just want to be clear that wasn't my goal on talking about the kind right. i can't let's skirt yeah. around it again <laughs> yeah well okay <laughs> unless you want unless you feel like we're gonna make a change well unless we're identifying some fundamental <clears throat> attribute of the dulcimer world well here's a pro- here's a that's mis- what this podcast is about we can make the mistake of presuming that our own music is interesting you know, now I know you might want to say, well, we have some evidence that our music's interesting, but it depends on the person. And I don't want to, you know, I don't want to be like, we, you know, it's a hard thing to talk about. Why? Well, because it'd be like you arguing that you should get more time for your spot and other people should get less because they're less interesting than you. We really hope the festival coordinators will make these decisions. I don't want to make these decisions. I I, I want, I, you know, I always, I, I well, believe. Can I, wait, can I respond to what you just said? Yeah. <clears throat> if that's the case, then don't complain about the way festivals run. Well, yeah, you well, either, like you said, we're maybe trying to make a positive change, you know. Right. But if you want them to just make the decisions, 
then just let them make the decision. No, I said I want them to, but I may not be able to trust all of them to. (laughs) (laughs) Remember with David Schnaufer, he was so awesome in concert. And David regularly got more time than other performers because I believe he deserved it and he earned it. And the audience demanded it. So the best case scenario is where an audience demands more from their favorite performers. I mean, they're they're the ones who really got the good vote, I think. And um, so every time, every time I wish I had a little more time on stage, I just tell myself, be more interesting. Be a better musician. Listen, though, Hmm. lest any particular festival director listening to this right now think we are talking about you. I can quickly come up with five different festivals yeah. where I've seen this be a problem, and yeah. they were different directors. So this isn't an, this is a dulcimer festival thing, Those... and I can <laughs> and, and I can specifically think of, and I'm not absolutely not going to say the names of performers who have complained at festivals because someone else got more time than they did, and lest you think I'm talking about you. If the shoe fits, <laughs> but it fits a lot of us, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I and want. I, I, yeah, big boy mm. pants. I think that's the answer. Mm-hmm. Just big boy pants. I want to yeah. trust the festival director. If they tell me we're giving Dan and Aaron uh, twelve minutes, but we're giving you nine minutes, I kind of want to trust them and just go. Okay, well, I'll make the best of my nine minutes then. Well, I don't think that you would ever say I'm giving these guys this much and that these guys this much. They would say you get this much and you you're on here and you're out there to, you know, not in a world that's not afraid of a little competition and healthy criticism. You, you'd yeah. Well, I think, you know, in addition to being performers, we should also be listeners. And at Kaufman's camp uh, in the concert, like I said, I was there for every one of them. Oh, Two wow. performers got uh, a lot of stage time for sitting in. They were April Virch and Aaron Marshall. And why and was that? As a because they were awesome, and they made that, and they made those concerts even more enjoyable than they would have been yeah. had they not been asked to sit in that much. And so, yeah, I didn't get anywhere near as much stage time as as either one of them, and I wasn't complaining at all uh, because it was awesome you. to listen to. So. I'm not changing the subject, but I want to tell a story that's a personal story that I think applies to this coming from and someone listening to this might just call me a snowflake because of this. But it's a real I'm going to call you a snowflake right at the beginning of this. Just I'll, I'll go in as a snowflake. I don't <laughs> this is a this is a Yanni tour story, but it's in it. I'm telling this because I it's love personal, the Yanni tour story and because it's an example of what happens the unintended consequences, maybe, of silly rules where right, you're trying to be egalitarian. So, on that tour, I and, and you knew who the responsible people were. They were the people who were always in the lobby at the right time when you were going to get picked up, were always on stage, you know, early and always had their stuff together. Okay. And I was definitely among that group. And Met all of the other things, you know, responsible just in in every manner. And I'm not bragging. I mean, but that's just was important to me. That's always been important to me, whether I'm building a sandbox or, you Mm -hmm. know, whether I'm doing a a tour like that. There were some people who were irresponsible and noisy who would make us wait. The buses would leave late. We would be rushing, 
you know, to get our stuff done because they made the buses late. Those people were consistently problems. Because of them, they started coming up with these rules. And one one rule they came up with was one of those people, instead of showing up for the bus, rode with a fan and then was almost late for the concert. So they oh, came yeah. up with this rule, nobody can ride with anybody else at any time. Which well, made everybody of, mad, like, hey, I'm an adult. Yeah, well, well, I'll tell you what it really makes you mad is when you have paid money and rented a car to fly your spouse to a concert, to oh, a yeah. city, and you don't get much time and you want to spend the time that you can with them. And the 40-minute drive to the venue, even though that doesn't seem like a big deal, or an hour and a half between towns, I was never so mad as when my uh-huh. wife had to travel in a car behind me without me uh, in that car. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, my goodness. I was livid. And it was that moment that turned me against ever wanting to do that again. I'm mm-hmm. like, and you're also tired. You know, there's all the other factors that go in. It's late in the tour. You're kind of over this. And maybe it was a little snowflakey of me. I don't think so. To have I don't see how that's so, snowflakey. Well, you know, you're getting paid well. It's not your name on the sign. That's kind of what I'm saying about you, Steve. Not about you, but about what you said. You either say, I'm willing to go along with the rules, or I'm not. I decided at that moment, I'm not. Now, I could have broken the rules, but I felt like I'm under contract. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to break the rules, but I don't want to do this anymore. I think and it was that's over good. something like that. But mm-hmm. you know, the other side of it is the, the people who make the rules, I understand what they're trying to do, but maybe this would be better. Don't hire people who are late all the time. Like, don't come up with a silly rule to try to fix it. Just don't hire people that are a pain. That's not realistic, though, because you don't know, and things occur later. Well, well so you I be think... flexible a little bit, and you, you figure well, it all out over time. No, you give up on the idea that all people are the same, and you recognize some people are more responsible than others. Mm-hmm. And... You say, no, you can't go and do that because you've been late before. Are you mm-hmm. saying that we don't like silly festival rules? Uh-uh. I'm not saying that because, <laughs> well, 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 wait. If you I can mean, de- I'll jump on that. Define silly. <laughs> define silly. Okay, uh, Aaron, would you define what is silly? Now, presuming you know. <laughs> Tell us something that has urined you off before. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> What does that mean, a silly? Well, the um, I, I don't know that any have yearned me off necessarily uh, as much as maybe gotten my jollies a little bit. But this concert thing is is a prevalent one. Uh, not being a not having full control over your time on set. Not that's not saying we asking for more time stay or, as long as you want yeah staying as long as you want I, i'm totally all for you have this much time but uh to me it makes sense this is our time to represent ourselves musically as an artist and try and sell cds and i think that um not having the ability at a good number of festivals uh to bring on guests or to collaborate yeah, it's not unique to bit. one festival. And right? I don't think it's really conducive to growth as a musician. 
So sometimes a festival director okay? might say, hey, in these in the evaluations, we're getting a lot of stuff that says so-and-so is on too many people's sets. <clears throat> well, I'd like to see how many evaluations say that. Is that three evaluations? <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. Sometimes I just wonder about this. Because we run into this at different festivals where you're not allowed to bring somebody on. It's just, it's so hard. I mean, I know you say you'd like to see them, and that's a reasonable thing to ask, as long as you recognize that you're never going to see them. <laughs> and, you know, I mean, you're just, you're raising... So my go-to statement, and a lot of this has to do with... I've been in some... Uh, conf- uh, lots of conflict with this council stuff, you know, my lo- involvement in local government. And you have to learn to navigate these little battles quickly. And the way I would say what you just said quickly is, how do you support that? And then you're good at this, Steve, and, and, and Aaron, too. It's one of the reasons I think we're all friends is because we argue with each other and we stay friends. Right? You know, and, and maybe you don't get to do that with a, a festival director, but I've sometimes you, you do. I've seen you do it, Aaron. <laughs> <laughs> a time or two? Yes. Uh, hmm. Not intentionally. You know, I've seen performers get that what I true. consider to be a little bit selfish and One arrogant. was a little intentional. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Some, so pe- were... some, some performers seem to get kind of very selfish, arrogant, me-oriented. They presume they've got it all figured out. You know, and I've... I don't like that side of it either. Um, Does the Dunning-Kruger you know, effect apply to uh, musicians? Is that where you, know, you take a... What is that? What are you talking about? Dunning-Kruger effect? Is that when you take a picture of a building and you got to correct for the <laughs> parallax? No. Uh, is it, correct me if I'm wrong. I'm the Dan. parallax. I speak for the buildings. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Dunning-Kruger is, look it up if you haven't, folks. It's it's really good to know. It's that the most confident people generally are the least knowledgeable. Yeah, like with the doctor thing where the majority of people who crash airplanes that are amateurs are doctors. Yeah, that actually could be one of them, right? And the dunning the people who generally express doubts about whether or not they're right, those are the folks that you should probably listen to most of the time. And mm-hmm. if you find yourself really digging into an opinion, this is my opinion. <laughs> hear what I'm doing there? If you find yourself really digging into a, an opinion and you don't know what it would look like if you're wrong about that, then there's the odds are more likely that you're wrong. Yeah, so if you were to say, I'm not wrong, I can't be wrong about this, then we've got a problem. The odds are. It's not necessarily odds true. Are. So you're talking about the Dunning-Kruger effect as it applies to concerts? Performers? As it applies to somebody who says to you, we've gotten complaints, Steve. And then you say, <clears throat> you ask a question like, well, tell well, me how about many these complaints. complaints. That's right. How many specific complaints and who were they? You're probably not going to get that answer. It's, but asking it is a reasonable thing to ask. 
I think it's good. You know, I'm thankful for the festival directors who have taken me aside sometimes and given me some good criticism that I was able to make changes, you know, on. I'm thankful for that. But see, we've fallen down this hole to where we're starting. It's almost as if we're talking about specific festival directors, and I don't think no, that's what I don't think is. we are. I think you're afraid somebody's going to think we are. No, I think it. we tend to slip down that hole because we're all dealing with our own experiences. And so, you know, as you talk about stuff, there's little shows that play in your head that you aren't sharing with other people. Mm -hmm. But I'm asking is to affect a change. Are we identifying and we may not be some kind of a thing that's unique within dulcimer festivals. That's not the, the same elsewhere. Uh, that's not the same elsewhere. I mean, that's yeah. Well, there's a lot of good things. There's a lot of good things. Like I, there's a book, I can't even quote the title, but it's all about this guy and all these bars that he's performed at over the years and how terrible those employers can tend to be. You know, I, I think we we're there's a lot of bad things we're not having to deal with because well, that's it, so that's you're changing the subject there just a little bit. I didn't change the subject, Snowflake. Aaron, Keep Aaron, going. Why Aaron. are you why are you shaking? Oh, because of the terms that you used. It just reminded me of a story. What's exclusively unique to the dulcimer? Did I say that? I thought you, yeah, you used that word. But, uh, yeah, to the festival, I thought we were talking about festival directors. Okay. <laughs> well, I'm asking if the problem that festival directors have to deal with could be something that's unique to the dulcimer community. That's I, I said festivals, and okay. I really meant community. That's what I meant. Okay. That's, Is well. there something about our community that makes us collectively snowflakey? Compared to Irish or blues yeah. or what? Okay. Um, I'm sure we'll get to this, but I just want to say everything that you're saying reminds me of a podcast that I heard yesterday. Which was was it ours? <laughs> no, really? No. Oh, oh no, was, not. we're going to get to that. Yeah, yeah. it was the oh, one. From, yeah, that's yeah, funny. Fantastic. Okay, should we go so, ahead and just dive into uh, the other big subject we want to talk about? I think we've already lost most of our listeners at this point, so let's let's do it. So, are mountain dulcimers inherently racist? <laughs> <laughs> okay um tell the story steve yeah well, well actually i want to start it steve you can pick it up so butch ross was the first person to discover this among our little circle of friends and butch sends me a text i could get it out and to do it exactly but he said hey make sure you listen to on the media their most recent podcast it mentions dulcimers and i and said and wait i'm just i'm just telling you the text first and I said, that's great. And he goes, not really. <laughs> you need to listen to this. Oh. Yeah, and he said something like, not a joke. Like, Not a joke. That's right. Like, really? Do, really trust me and go listen to this. Well, how long did it take me? It took me days before I did it. Well, I don't think you would have if yesterday morning we were going Butch, to Butch, I'm sorry. A, I'm sorry, Butch. Yeah. So yesterday morning we were going to record a podcast. And I said... First, <laughs> we need to follow this through, Steve, you know, because I Butch had come by yesterday and he kind of told me what it was. And so then I was on a mission to actually listen to this thing. And it was kind of awesome that we had everybody online when we first got to listen to it. Does anybody have yeah, it, it queued up, by the mm -hmm. way? I'll grab it. And Steve, would it be better to just play it? Are we allowed to? Oh, yeah, we can play because it's, it's like a news story. Well, I uh, think I think that you... 
I think you could you could throw it in right here. But I'm I'm going for it. Keep talking. Um I think that um when I went and listened to it and I finally found it, I really was a little bit shocked. I think I think the best thing is for people to hear it. Yeah, we're coming. It's it's mm-hmm. coming. Hold on just a second. King of culture. And you, you want to come out to Okay, I'm I'm just rewinding a couple little bit. From the beginning, see, for an article. And he said, white Americans have their distinctive culture. Back it up, back it up. Stop for just a second. One important thing that that got missed right there. She had just said she interviewed a neo-Nazi for her. Okay. All right, put it up there. And this violence that people experienced and then visited on other people and this chain of exclusion from the beginning, we founded our own land on pushing other people out. So I'm going to stop this a couple of times while we're playing just so that we keep it that we're using sound bites. Right. Uh, this, by the way, if you want to listen to this yourself, is on the media from WNYC Studios. It's a podcast. This is the one entitled Sterner. And what's Stuff. the date on this? This is from Friday, whatever June, last Friday was, June. Was it June 15th, I thought? Is that about right? It's uh-huh. around in there, yeah. People out. Meanwhile, stealing the culture and the songs and the art of the people that we imprisoned or cast out. I was speaking, as one does now, to a neo-Nazi for an article, and he said, white Americans have their distinctive culture separate from Europe that is is only American and only white. At this point, you're wondering, why are we playing this? Right. That will become clear in just a moment. And I was like, oh, what what part of American culture is, is only American and only white? And he was like, Faulkner. And I was like, no, Faulkner is not only about white Americans. That's crazy. Playwright. Faulkner mm-hmm. and playwright, in case you <laughs> wondered. And he really struggled. And finally he said, well, the mountain dulcimer. That's a, a white ethnic instrument. And I was like, okay, so you want to create a white ethno state in North America where you don't have to listen to jazz, and you don't have to listen to rock and roll, you can only listen to the dulcimer. Like, who wants to be part of that country? I don't want to be part of that country. So, it, uh, oh. so I want hey, to point out. I recognize that, that Mountain Dulcimer player. We're all like, that's Steven Seifert. Yeah. All right. So she says she, she's interviewing a neo-Nazi, as you do uh-huh. these days. I don't know what that means. Oh. And, um, and listen, and also, it, and so then, you know, Faulkner... And then the dude doesn't the then Mountain Dulcimer, and then I hear my own playing under this. But the yeah, best I like, part, of all I like of how it, there's some blue notes in that arrangement too. That was a that was a nice touch. That's funny. Well, I think it's it's great how she eventually was like, so this guy wants a world where everybody's just listening to Mountain Dulcimer music all the time. <laughs> Who would want to live in a world like that? <laughs> And so so we listened to this. We kind of all discovered this together yesterday morning. At the same time. And the time. world stopped for a yeah. moment. <laughs> oh, God. Now, was... I don't blame them for... I want to tell you guys what's happened so far with this. So I wrote them, and I just said, hey, I'm the guy. You played my music, you know. Can we talk were... about where they got it, though? Because that's important to this Oh, well, well. They, I think they typed Dulcimer into YouTube in my Whiskey Before Breakfast video. You know, right at was the, the top. Right at the top. And that's the one they went with. And I'm honored 
you know, they could have picked something else, and they picked me, and I'm thankful. I really am. <sighs> it's just that I'm being... Maybe the context is not so rewarding. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Steve. But, why, why can't you I just... I wrote like, him an email and I just said, I think you guys are doing a good job and I've worked a little bit in radio and, you know, I get it. You know, they were just looking for some dulcimer music. I get that. Right. Uh, um, but I said, you know, I would love an opportunity, a brief opportunity to just let the world know that dulcimers are for everybody, you know, for all people. Are you going to make a, some sort of a statement that you're not a white supremacist? He's pausing. Wow. That scared me a little, <laughs> yeah, bit. a little bit. Well, here's the problem. I mean, yeah, we can talk about this. By the way, I'm this afraid is the- of I'm afraid of being attacked by white supremacists. <laughs> yeah. So here we are in the middle of this, right? Yeah. Well, there's another update. So well, wait. Right. It, well, and on top of that, the video has a dulcimer school tag on the front of it well just just my video does right your video yeah. the, the the one that they pulled that audio from and so was I, it legal yeah. for them to do that steve you know i don't worry about that i had like five friends write me yesterday and say like you should get a lawyer and i'm like no i don't want to be known as the guy the dulcimer player who you absolutely do not want to use their music under any circumstance because he's going to have a lawyer write you a letter i just don't want to be that guy actually i think it was legal for them to use because YouTube. I do pays. too. What's that? I think so also. Yeah. YouTube pays you. But that's not my first reaction is let's get a lawyer. My first reaction is I'm honored I was chosen to represent my instrument, even though the context is weird. So, but Steve, I, you were saying there's an update. Yeah. So I have an agent for my orchestral jobs, Brian. And um, he ended up calling producers at the radio station. I'm not sure if it was producers for the show or not. And he he forwarded them my email, and he he just said, "Hey, you know, we'd we'd love to do a quick follow up, you know." And um, they actually responded on the phone and said they thought a follow up might be a great idea. Now I don't know if it's going to happen, but the cool thing is is here in a few weeks, I'm headed to New York City. I will be right there. So can you imagine me on the radio being like, I just want to announce to the world that dulcimer music is not just for white people. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe we need to work on that a little bit. Yeah, I'm going to have to. But I... um, It's it's an interesting thought, though. And, you know, Dan, you could tell us more about this, but I suspect the neo-Nazi maybe. Now, I know this might not be the case, but he might have messed up his research because tell us the, the, the history of the hammer dulcimer, Well, which is a huge history. We're talking about one little part of it. Man, Steve, Dan was really enjoying playing the less racist instrument for a little while. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm ready to crush that. <laughs> well, so we'll get to that in a minute. I'm not going to tell you the whole history of the dulcimer because it's not it's. The hammer dulcimer, you mean? Well, in general, I mean, they're... In general, instruments don't have opinions. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. And it's not about something you said, and I know you're just talking kind of flippantly right now, which is cool, because this is a bizarre story that Mm -hmm. has entered our lives. But this isn't even about racist. 
it's about neo-Nazis. <laughs> that, that's <laughs> that, different. That's different from just being a racist. You want to get rid of most white people, too, <laughs> because they don't agree with you either. And this alternate view of reality. Right. Let's be fair here. We are talking. Now, we may, I may not be updated on a neo-Nazi, but I know that Nazis aren't real charming, it seems. <laughs> so a new Nazi, things. maybe they've reformed their opinion on everything. I don't know, but it sounds a little mm, scary to me. No. Well, as always, I like to recommend a book. There's a short book out, and I apologize for not remembering the author's name, but it's the, it's the book you can read an hour and a half, and it's relatively new. It's called On Tyranny. On Tyranny. And I, and I highly recommend it. I've read it twice now. <clears throat> Again, sorry that I don't remember the author's name. Since I haven't read that, I can't join you in recommending it, but maybe I'll read but, it. But then. my point is it's interesting <laughs> to see, you know, when we talk about Nazis – we sort of have this idea that might not be even accurate as to the degree of of who Nazis were. I mean, those that were the actual Nazis. So when we talk about white supremacists or neo-Nazis, this is heavy. Even though they represent something that you're going to pay attention to because it's so outside of most people's way of thinking, mm-hmm. it's a very small amount of people now. If they gain control, the amount of influence that they can have on world history is huge. And so that's why, even though you say, why are you spending so much time talking about the small amount of people? It's because it's an extraordinary thing that they're saying. Right. And it needs extraordinary evidence. The mountain dulcimer is not extraordinary evidence (laughs) (laughs) that, that there is this other complete white culture that is trying to be wiped out by anybody. Yeah, and they weren't saying that... So he was he was saying that there's a specific white culture and that dulcimer is part of that. Right. So to answer your question a minute ago. And that's uh, not so that's not necessary. Isn't it mostly white culture? Mostly. I mean, not by design or certainly not by our intention, but we certainly have a lot of white people playing the thing. Uh, is it Hanlon's razor that's. Don't chalk up to conspiracy that which can be uh, <coughs> solved by incompetence or just I don't, the natural order or things. And what I'm getting at is we're always looking back at things the way we see it. And then we have this bias to prove that the way we see it is correct. And so then we start backfilling with all kinds of things. And that's the way I see most most arguments on most sides of things generally it's not like there was some big plan to change this or change that it's just things evolve and they change yeah i'll admit yesterday uh after i heard this um nothing uh that i can remember has at the same time given me such a knot in my stomach and made me laugh so hard at the (laughs) same time this is so bizarre and it was i was having this odd sort of like feeling super defensive uh kind of kind of mindset uh along with laughing hysterically um and so i'm trying to immediately i'm trying to think of all the all the all the reasons why this is a wrong this is this statement is incorrect um but and i don't i kind of don't want to go go well i know it makes us all uncomfortable yeah something else that i was listening to 
uh, was talking about language. And when Westerners mimic a German accent, it's mostly from what we've seen in television or heard on the radio or whatever. Mm -hmm. And when <laughs> linguists go back and they look at how languages have been presented, most of what you heard when it's German is Nazi. Oh. So when we when we joke about Germans and, you know, an angry sound, mm -hmm. it's somebody doing a Nazi sound. If you listen to the language actually, it's beautiful. It's like it's a it's a beautiful language, but this one thing, this Nazi thing, you make a big deal out of it. <laughs> I'm joke. That was a joke, by the way, because it ended up being a big deal. Mm -hmm. Influences our culture that that's what the whole language is like. So we're going to get in a lot of trouble for all this, no matter what. No, we're not. I think we're being careful. None of us, none of us want to be associated with anything. That's bad an extraordinary like that. claim you're making. Could you give me some extraordinary evidence? I think we're going to get that? an email saying Dan had a lot of talk time, and I would like to see that. Less, no, I'm kidding. less, less yeah. talk time. No, I'm kidding. If you really want me to support that, I'm totally willing to do it. But I can't no, do it right now. Be, be a little bit. Yeah. So there is a history of the hammer dulcimer, and I can't support this either. This is just what I was told from. Uh, told and heard repeated that when Henry Ford put his orchestras together, he wanted to spread and, and Butch Ross would probably actually support this better because he has his masters in folklore. He wanted to spread white culture back across the United States because he thought there was too much black culture in the United States. And he put together an orchestra to travel the country and Put two hammer dulcimers in that thing. <laughs> and they did he have contests for hammer dulcimers? I don't know about that. Okay. Have you heard that one? Well, well I know he had contests for fiddlers, so he would celebrate, you know, the southern rural fiddling. Yeah, I don't know about that would be interesting. So if anybody well, write us and correct us because Yeah, we need to be educated. We are not historians. We're going with like these stories that you kind of tell and you pass around because it's sort of funny to tell until a white supremacist <laughs> on a national, highly ranked podcast says that, hey, mountain dulcimers are for our white culture only. Well, let, you know, I was compared to Faulkner. Not really. <laughs> but I kind of like that. But, you know, I think if I get if I got 10 sec, well, let's say 20 seconds on their show. <laughs> I'd say, hey, guys, dulcimers are for everybody. If you want to check them out, ask any of us about it. We'd love to hook you up. And then I'd play, you know, 10 seconds, and then I'd, that'd be it. I mean, I'd be happy to do that. What if you talked about the culture of people making their own instruments and making their own music just organically? Yeah, there's a, there's a, there's a bunch of good stuff. But um, what if somebody got wild and just started asking me some pretty pointed questions you know like but i don't know but you I know what the be truth good at is i'd think you would say i don't know about all that <laughs> i think that if i was under the pressure of a nationally syndicated radio program that i hope that i would make a little bit more sense than i typically do on this podcast hmm. do you want to role play this Yeah, but um, I don't scary, want you to be mean to me. Well, but what if they're mean to you? 
Uh, they might be, but I trust them. So, do you want to do this? Maybe, Aaron. Why don't you, why don't you both be the? You guys are the okay the dudes. I want to be Terry Gross. <laughs> okay. No, I want to be the announcer. I want to be the announcer real quick. I would have to ask Steve a question about his sexuality and dulcimers at some point, (laughs) which would never be the. I do not have a sexuality. Let's get that out of the way. Listen, we gotta we gotta maintain our family friendly rating. Well, that one's Um, not bad. All right, listen, I'm the announcer. You be quiet. So, ladies and gentlemen, next on on the media, uh, we have a little follow up to a show we did a few weeks ago regarding the mountain dulcimer, Dan. So, Steve, your agent contacted us after hearing the air, the segment that we aired. And in it, a white supremacist said the mountain dulcimer is a pure instrument associated with white culture. Any thoughts on that as a performer? Yeah, I don't really, I don't agree with that. I think it's a great instrument for anybody to play and um and that's 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 our story we're sticking to it and i represent 90 percent of dulcimer players across the globe i guess we should just go ahead and, and mention that you are white um yes and i'm also somewhat german a little bit are you a white supremacist i am not next question Aaron, <laughs> she's so beats. Maybe uh, we're not so good at this. Well, actually, That's why we're practicing. Actually, when when you asked the the first question, which was, will you say that one more time? I think I just opened it up. Generally, okay, you, you don't said, want to ask a specific recently, question. Recently, on an interview, uh, we had we had a white supremacist state that dulcimer is a white instrument. Sure. As a performer, how does that make you feel? And. <clears throat> uh, I was actually instead of thinking of a question, I was thinking about how that made me feel. Um, How does it right. make you feel? Well, well I don't. Look. I don't think I said make make you feel. I would never do that. But oh, let's really? do that with you and your okay. role play. So we recently blah 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 all this okay. stuff, and the white supremacist said <laughs> we're this. So do you have any thoughts on that? Okay, as a performer, the the first thing I thought of, and I don't I don't want to share any names uh, here, but um, uh, it makes me think of one one lady who is not white um, who having this conversation with she she feels like she's she's a great player she feels like she has a hard time getting students uh and she's been told uh at her church why do you play that that's a white instrument and hearing hearing this from the podcast kind of it makes me immediately cringe for wow her having come up against that stereotype interesting yeah, because that's a little reality there. Um, yeah. Very good. Can can Aaron do the interview? <laughs> Keep and going, I would, Aaron. I would, I would also say, just since we're talking about music and culture, that I don't think that the, the Mountain Dulcimer is really as, as isolated as people have the impression it is. If you go to a, a Dulcimer camp or a Dulcimer festival and you look at the list of workshops, you're going to see a range of different different styles and repertoires that have integrated music from other cultures, other styles from all over the country and all over the map. And I think it's when you talk about the music that's being played on, I think it's it's hard to defend that any of this is exclusively white. I mean, one of the uh one of the most 
common uh, mountain dulcimer tunes that, that we play, one of the most common old-time tunes, I guess, lies at Jane. The B part has this really distinctive B part, and it's a B part that a lot of us actually learned in elementary school because it's also an African welcome dance, Fungala Lafia, Asha Eshe. Um, <clears throat> but I think, you know, even looking at the blues classes where people are learning the music of uh, uh, Lead Belly and Robert Johnson, um, I, I think it's hard to defend that any part of this is exclusively white. And as I said before, you know, combinations of wood and strings don't tend to have opinions on their own. So so the tack that he's taking now is about just the evolution of music mm-hmm. and instruments, yeah, but not the evolution a, of race. There's a bigger thing to look at. Like, um, if you look at cultures from all around the world, like Thailand, if you look at the traditional instruments of Thailand... It's a whole lot of people from Thailand playing that stuff, you know? Um, that doesn't mean that... I don't know. It's like, we, we ought to be careful here because the original quote was something about, you know, that this that this kind of a pure white culture thing and it's dulcer. I mean, well, when I was, you wait, do go wait, to a believe- festival, most of the music is based... Hang on, Dan. Most of the music is based on white... Uh, white folks music which is not such a bad thing i guess there'll be um one one uh one or two african americans playing out of 300 people there'll be one asian playing what are you shaking your head for well we're going down the path that leads to dissonance right could you say and if you like this steal it and say it differently if you want to if someone puts you starts with an open question like that, instead of going down, you know, dealing with the most controversial part, say, you know, music ought to be something that brings us together, not that separates us. Yeah, I agree. That's a summation kind of of what Aaron said. Right. But music also does a fine job of separating people. Too. Right. But I want to talk to you quick about doing an interview like well, that. You're saying well, it wait, should no. be. I'm, I'm talking to you now as somebody who may be in this situation that could be mildly hostile. If you say something quickly like that, well, I don't look at music or instruments that way at all. Music is something that brings cultures together, not separates them. Say that and shut up. Mm-hmm. Because yeah, but that's just not necessarily a true statement. That's the problem. Well, then make but make a true statement, and then be quiet because you just change the direction the conversation is going in. If you yeah, find yourself I, in that, oh. yeah, yeah. Well, my heart is. Let me be clear on this: whoever you are, whatever your religion, race, or creed, whatever, if you're interested in the mountain dulcimer. I'm also interested in it. We can have some fellowship over this. And you're welcome in my world. That's the truth. That's all. Can I can't argue. How could anybody argue with that? If you said those words in this radio interview <laughs> to the very first open-ended thing I ask you. I mean, that that's a brilliant reply, Steve. That's do you well, believe have, what you I just have, said? Yeah. <clears throat> But I've noticed, I've watched politicians lately, all politicians. So somebody will say, what do you think about um, 
this new idea that we need to come up with all this money for a new library. And the politician will say, a better question is, what kind of needs should we be helping? You know, it's like they completely redirect. Right. Don't do that. And people hate them for that. Yeah, I don't want to do that. But if but if the person asked that politician the question about all this money for the new library, and they could really be honest and say, I know that seems like that ought to be a simple yes or no answer. And the party that I represent comes from this position or that position. But I really think we should stop over simplifying these things. We should realize that these are complex questions. Libraries are clearly important, but also technology is on hand. And some of the things the library does, those are in the process of changing. I want us to look at that seriously, not just answer a simple question. Do you see what I'm saying? And that's what I wish politicians yeah. would start doing. So we could get to an intelligent level of discourse on this. And I, I, a lot of these fiddle tunes, I think, this is my I, this is a big opinion that I can't really support. It's kind of like a little bit of a gut feeling I have from studying the music and stuff. When I listen to American Southern rural pre-bluegrass fiddle dance music, <clears throat> I often think... This is just my imagination. I'm hearing a mixture of early Creole fiddling, like French fiddling from early America, combined with um, with early black music, combined with the polka craze that was a really big deal all over the earth in the late 1700s. Um, so a lot of the fiddle music we play, whether I'm right about that or wrong, I'm always thinking, you know, f- a combo of French, black, and and like Scottish polkas or something like that. That's what I feel like a lot of the music we play is. And I'm thankful, you know, whether I'm right or not about that, I am thankful for every little stream and tributary that led to, you know, what we're doing today. I like, I like, I mean, the word diversity can be abused, but I like the diversity. I like the the various sources that this stuff comes from. And the and the, but why is it when I leave a festival and this is I'm not trying to be funny. This is just a fact. I immediately put on Stevie Wonder, Miles Davis, you know, uh, Charlie Parker. Um, I mean, it's a strange reality that when I leave a dulcimer festival, I'm looking for black music on my iPhone. Wait, are you looking for black music? Out my ear a little bit. Are you looking for black music or music that is? I know. I love this music. I know. Do you care what color the music is? No, but if you were no, no, but. You don't care. Maybe a little. Maybe a little bit. I do. I, I'm probably a little bit. You know, <laughs> <laughs> a little bit. What? I'm a little know. bit country. Aaron's a little bit rock, rock and roll. And roll. <laughs> <laughs> Listen. You? Okay, so this is really weird, and I, I'm willing to be corrected on this. Great Please, American nobody, genres. <laughs> nobody come after me, but I no. really am fa- have been fascinated my whole life with black culture, and I. F- I love to regularly immerse myself in it. Now, maybe I have a wrong way of thinking about that or whatever. Maybe I'm in trouble now that I've said this, but I'm a fan. Um, and listen, this is going to make... Oh, I'm in so much trouble now. I no, go to the so I go to the soul food truck down the way, and I'm often the only white guy there, and I love being there, you know? And I love... 
I love the history of jazz and learning about all that stuff going on in New Orleans and Kansas City and New York City. And, um, but I don't, you know, what is that? It's just like. Am I a bad person? Because I like no. cultural elements from different groups of people, this including is- Thailand, including Russians and Balkan music. Is it okay that I'm fascinated with different cultures? This question that we're discussing, though, isn't about racism and the way people define it and what evidences are of that. That's not what this is about. This is about a misrepresentation has been made, we believe, of the mountain dulcimer, an American folk instrument, as being part of a specific culture. Forgive me for this. Let's entertain this as true for a minute. I if know. It, I think it might be kind of true. Right. Well, that so there's <laughs> Only nothing kind wrong of. with there's nothing wrong with saying this is where this instrument came from. Uh, what a weird topic. Well, it's a tough one, isn't it? It's hard for us to talk about. So forgive us if this isn't our most uh, fluent and connected mm. conversation because we're having this real real time and it's hard to talk about no matter what uh, hey i'll tell you what if anybody listening has any advice for us um I, rather than berate us or attack us if you will have the heart of a teacher we will do our best to have the heart of a student so you know we're open let us know all right listen i, I want to make a, a bigger point about I'm not going to do a good job of this guy, so please forgive me. I'm going to use politicians first. Okay. But I could apply this to religions. Mm-hmm. I could apply it to all kinds of things, and I think you'll see where it comes from. One party or another can say, <clears throat> let me make up a new political party. Let's call them Neocloppitans. Clomatids? Neocloppitans. That's a Clopitans. Be, it's a cromulent word for what we're doing right now. You guys a cromulent. No, I was about to ask. Oh, it's, that's from The Simpsons. So Bart, I believe it was Bart. No, I believe it was Homer was using incorrect words, mm-hmm. like putting two words together. But they kind of made sense to express what was going on. So Lisa invented the word cromulent. It's a very cromulent word. It's not a real word, but it's right for what you what it is you're trying to say. Huh. And cromulent became... <laughs> Used so much that it's in the dictionary now. <laughs> nice. You look at, hey, look yeah. up cromulent, C R O M U L E N T, and then you can read the definition, see if I'm getting that one right. <clears throat> anyway, what I call them the Cloptocritians. I forget what it was. The Neocloptocans. Neocloptocans. Okay. I don't, <laughs> Aaron's trying to unlock my phone, and I'm tempted to tell him what the password is out loud, but I shouldn't on here. <laughs> so this political group says, and the opposite group is saying some argument against them. They say, yeah, but did you know it was the Neocloptocrats that first sponsored and passed this thing? And that sometimes shuts down the argument. It's like, oh, so there, therefore that good idea came from you or that good thing that was done came from that party. How can you talk about it? What doesn't get discussed in those kinds of gotcha sort of things that they say back is that that was the party that was in power at the time. The circumstances of the moment meant that only that group could have done that thing. All the stuff that led up to that. So if you want to talk about the American dulcimer 
and the mountain dulcimer is an American instrument that came out of a folk tradition by mostly white people. Would anybody argue with that? Am I correct so far? I would love to. I'm sure it's not 100% true. I'm using the word mostly to be careful. Mm -hmm. Out of the mountains, who was living there? Who were these poor people that couldn't afford guitars and pianos? I mean, whoever those people would have been that were living there. You see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So therefore, it gets ascribed to this, but it's not right. Does that make sense? It's not right to say that. It does. Huh? Yeah. But you could also, we could, we, I don't want to go down this road, but the idea that some folklorists believe that the dulcimer's history has been greatly exaggerated and that <laughs> really, you know, it's, but I, I don't, I don't know. No, this but I, Steve, heavy. I think you're, that's good though, because it also says that a lot of this stuff is backfilled history. People come up with an idea the way it is, and then they backfill it with things to support their argument. It's a bias. There's a name for that bias. Did you look up cromulent? I did. What did it say? Uh, oh, gosh. What did it say? Possibly acceptable or fine. I did was it, also trying to listen to your story. Did it mention Lisa Simpson? Yeah. So is that, was that right? Was that where that came from? Mm-hmm. Well, all right, here it is. Here it is. It's called the choice supportive bias. It's the tendency to the, uh, the tendency to retroactively ascribe positive attributes to an option one has selected. It's also known as the post-purchase rationalization. Okay, so you you made a you made a choice to switch to a different kind of food and then years later your your health has increased. And somebody's like, yeah, well, he's the one that first started eating such and such when really you, you didn't pick that out to necessarily be healthier. Is that what we're talking about? Well, no, that could be it. But it could also be that you have you're the only person with a particular genetic trait that is going to be healthy under these this set of environmental conditions. But people might ascribe it to the fact that you eat a bag of corn chips every day. Uh, and so you go back and you backfill. Well, he's been eating a bag of corn chips every day. I, I just think well, I w- where you went, I'm, I'm sorry, I've lost the train of thought from where you went a minute ago, where you said, look, I'm afraid I'm going to get in trouble here. But there are historians who would say that some of this has been blown out of proportion. And you said something like that, right? Yeah. <laughs> I think I mean, we if somebody was trying know. to tell you a particular narrative, you already did it to me once today, and it was good. Somebody's trying to tell you a narrative of how, how something came down. You just have to say, can you support that that's really what happened? Here's another t- reality. I don't really care about any of this stuff. <laughs> yeah, but if you're on that's a radio show. That's what I'm thinking show, to myself right now. You, you have 15 to 20 seconds. To write this, yeah. Well, I I already did it. I already did it. The thing is, we like playing these dulcimers, and I like meeting people and going to places, and I like you know. I I yeah, I I enjoy playing the mountain dulcimer. (laughs) Yeah, Aaron. um, I read in a recent review that one reason people liked your addition to the show is that you bring balance to the podcast oh interesting 
Well, on a totally unrelated note, um, when I was uh, I was telling Nikki yesterday about this, I didn't preface it with anything. I just played one minute from this podcast, and she had she seemed to have kind of a similar reaction, uh, which was shock and also laughing at the same time. Um, it was funny when they started playing the Mountain Dolls from her part. She goes. That's you. <laughs> she meant culturally, oh, that's like, right? Yeah. Right. <laughs> well, I said, well, it, it, I think Steve's actually going to do uh, a follow up with them. It was like, which will be really well, cool. We don't I, know. We yeah, don't well, know. I said, well, what I said was, I was like, that'll be it. Steve's really smart. He'll be a, he'll be able to do well. And then I said. He does say some pretty weird stuff from time to time. Yeah, sometimes <laughs> I get emotional and I'm a little less clear. There's a lot of but, wrong things that you could say. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot more wrong that you could say than right. You know, I think what's... I'm nervous. Um, <laughs> Me too. I'm, ner- I'm, I'm seriously feeling anxious about this whole thing, Steve. But what's interesting is in, in three to four weeks, I forget, check my calendar, I'll be performing the Blackberry Winter Concerto. That it'll, it'll be performed on pipe organ right next to Columbia University there in New York. Oh, cool. And <clears throat> Dulcimer, and I've been working with her. We've, been, we've rehearsed a lot because she lives in Nashville. I think she's 87, Wilma Jensen. But if you're anywhere... Man, if if you if you can get to that show, and I wish I had more details right now that I could sell out, but go to my week. website. Yeah, if you can get to that show, we would love to see you guys up there, and p- performing with a pipe organ, Aaron and Dan is really, really, really cool. Nice, it's super cool, and so I'm looking forward to doing that. And I've also got. Um, I'm changing the subject. Wait, 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 wait! Change it in a second. You're crossing so many cultural barriers just in that. It's dulcimer <laughs> with orchestra. It's dulcimer with a pipe organ. You know, the king of instruments. A white orchestra and a and a and a, and a white European. <laughs> you don't know that. You a dulcimer that. in New York City. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. That's a, a musician, that's a dulcimer player, musician with a gig. I assume you're getting paid for this. Oh wow! I think that's unusual. Listen, people, we we're just a, a bunch of buffoons. I think we have some intelligence to be thankful for, some experience to be thankful for. But I I, I certainly think if you want to humble us, you won't have to try too hard. So. No, don't give us too much credit. I think the reason that we're stammering here is because none of us think none of us thinks we're experts on this. No, and and really, what I do is I like to play the dulcimer and travel and eat and pay the bills and have fun and have friendships and you know occasionally explain to people why I'm not a racist. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, prove you're not a racist, Aaron. <laughs> Jesus, Pete's. Don't ever respond to that. Yeah. So you. you yeah. I bought a bunch of ma- I know you guys are going to want to wrap the show up. I bought a bunch of mason jars yesterday. Those are useful. You want to go These ahead, suckers? Just so you can drink tea out of them. Are One you storing of them, your urine. <laughs> is that no, tea? Listen, <laughs> it is tea. Okay. I'm going to put an inch of soil in the bottom and an inch of gravel. I'm going to heavily plant these. And I'm going to create these little aquariums all over my house. (laughs) 
So, so what are you guys up to? So are these little... Are you going to pull plants out of these to add other... Are they like uh, nurseries? No, I want to... I, I just... I'm creating these little pico aquariums, I guess. That will not have... It'll all be natural filtration. And I'm going to run water checks on it and see uh, after two, three months, you know. I'll, and I'm probably going to do 50% water changes, I guess. Well, once a week, maybe. Well, I can relate to the water thing. I spent two hours this morning in a meeting discussing what's going to happen with our town's water system. Yeah. I spent a couple hours just a few days ago meeting with other people about this. And it's interesting that you're making the same kind of little system that exists hmm. on a massive scale to make sure we have clean drinking water. And Is it true that some of the people up on Signal Mountain dump their sewage right off the edge of the cliff? No, it's not true. Okay, that's good. Is it possibly mm. true that there's a pipe that leaks somewhere and there's sure. some affluent that drips off the edge of a rock? That's possibly true. But it's also yeah, true yeah. that there might be a puddle in your backyard that is from a leaking pipe from your neighbor three houses down. Sure. These are all. Aaron, did you know? Did you yep. guys know what? that most water systems... First off, water is not something that can be given away. It has to be sold under most uh, state and federal regulations. State you can't regulations. give, but you could give water to a friend. You don't <clears throat> no, I'm talking about a utility. A yeah. utility has to account for the water they use. But all of these big systems, think about how big a water system is, have leaks. And I'm not talking the leaks between the meter and your house. So the goal in municipal water systems is to get it down to between 10 and 12 percent water loss and most can't do it wow wow 40 percent is not uncommon huh well it is water yeah well it has to come from somewhere though i mean it's uh, anyway the institutional knowledge in that you gain from running for local office or being or i guess you have to win uh is kind of i don't know i think it's useful you get a better understanding of how complex these systems are that keep us all going all the time. Aaron, what have you been doing? I can't really contribute weird. to the uh, to the water thing other than I'm still excited that Did I, you learned, shower? I learned how to swim. Oh, we learned uh, how to swim. That's right, the yeah. noodles. Yeah. That's a water thing, dude. Yeah. I got that, another that one. a water thing. I got another Wait one. Wait a minute. At the age of 31, I finally learned how to swim. Go to join. Uh, go to my Facebook page and watch the construction of a uh, cool sandbox that I'm building for my grandkids. I could swim in that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But it's going to double as a like a er, a place where Angie can start plants for the spring. Oh, cool! Because we're putting I was, a, a sunshine can get in. It's going to have a lid on it. So anyway, you know Bing Futch has a large outdoor pond that he built that in cool? his backyard yeah i want to go swim in that who's mowing your yard these days steve well you'll you'll earlier in the podcast you might have heard some lawnmowers out there so keep an ear out for that but um jasper so you've got our, somebody our mowing it yeah our neighbor that's good any other wild animals in your backyard oh uh, not really all right. Well, I guess that's life for the Dulcimer players. Kentucky I'd say Music we, Week. Kentucky Music Week. We're, we're all going to be there, right? to do a haul here. <clears throat> yep. Yeah, we're all going to be at Kentucky Music Week. If you're thinking about going, get out there. Can we do um, a live podcast? 
not live, but can we record one? Yeah, that might be the last time I get to record a podcast for, for about summer. a month. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, because I'll be gone quite a bit, too. So we really ought to try to do one, even if it's brief. Yeah. Okay. Um, so check out dulcimerschool.com, dulcimerplayersnews.com, aaronorourke.com, stevensieford.com. I don't think... There is a, a danlander.com, isn't there? There is. And, uh... So anyway, everybody have a good week. We'll see you at the Big KMW.